everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of School Nutrition Dietitian. If you attended ANC last year, you may have seen today's guest presenting on allergy management best practices. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to cover the massive impact that nutrition education can have on our students now and in the future from a dietitian's perspective. School nutrition dietitian here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish clean food clear mind that is the vision tune in to the school nutrition dietitian well hi sean thank you so much for coming on of course of course So I'm really excited to connect with dietitians that are young and new-ish to the profession to get their take on what they think people who are totally new really need to know. Because sometimes when you're really experienced, you don't have the same take on what it's like to be onboarded as someone who recently went through the process. So how did you get into school nutrition and how long have you been working in this area? So I um, am a dietitian, and just like every other dietitian, I had to do my internship. My internship was distance-based because I wanted to stay in Tampa um, and, you know, do my rotations in Tampa. And there weren't, there aren't really any besides the VA um, here. There aren't any internships, so I applied for a distance one and set up my own rotations. One of my rotations was with um, Hillsborough County Public Schools and with my current supervisor, Heather D'Ambrosi. Whenever it came to my rotation, I originally wanted only, you know, I originally only scheduled out to do, I think, four or five weeks with her. Um, I didn't know anything about school nutrition, and I just, um, I thought for some reason I needed to have school nutrition and hospital food service. Um, I didn't know I can just combine them into one, so I separated the two. So you had to set and, up your own rotations in this program? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. Had to set up my own rotations, which was a really good idea or a really good opportunity for um, me to get to know my preceptors prior to actually um, precepting with them. So that was really great. I had a report going in into the rotations, which is um, really nice compared to some other people who just kind of are thrown like, you need to show up to the hospital on this day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I already had a rapport kind of built with Heather. Um, and whenever I came to be her intern, um, I did four, four or five weeks with her. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. I immediately after that, I went to um, hospital food service and I actually liked school nutrition so much more that um, in the middle of me, like maybe a week or two into hospital food service, I emailed Heather and asked if I can come back and finish the rest of my food service rotation with her. Um, and I left the hospital early oh, now just to come back. Oh, now that is amazing to have that type yeah. of control over where you go during yeah. your internship. Jealous. Yeah. Yeah. So, because, um, I mean, I was... You know, I was not interested in hospital food service at all, um, but absolutely loved it here. So she she let me come back, and I came back for an additional two weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough that after I finished my internship, they had a position um, open um, around the same exact time. So I was able to go from being an intern to immediately 
being an employee, which was a really nice, easy transition. Um, with that, there were some stipulations. Uh, you know, I, I realized that this job is a lot of um, learning on the job. Right. <laughs> um, you, you know, with being an intern ahead of time, I, I feel like sometimes I was seen as, you know, he's already trained, he's already <laughs> well aware of the program and all that stuff. So um, sometimes, you know, other jobs where there's a little bit more of like, you know, walking you through it or at least doing baby steps you're just kind of more thrown into it um and of course you know my my employer as well as um my coworkers are really great with training and developing you and all that stuff too but i i know myself i don't like to ask for too much advice right. i'd rather you know try to do it on my own as much as possible and if i need to, i would i'll seek it out um so there is a lot of you know how have you navigated Assistant. that? How did you approach kind of educating yourself or training yourself? Um, well, it's really, so my current position, um, I'm a nutrition coordinator. So my main focus is um, nutrition education, as well as I do a lot of um, special diets and special menus too. So um, it was more of like trying to navigate what items that we can suit for each dietary need. So I just learned basically all of our items on inventory. I learned um, the meal requirements um, and requirements for, you know, special diets too, as far as documentation goes. Um, and then from there, you know, I've also branched off because I feel like every single um, student nutrition employee has an asterisk next to their titles because there's anything else underneath the sun that can be assigned to you too. Yeah, so um, miscellaneous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's been a lot of projects um, that you know I just kind of have to figure out um, on the go. So like for example, before we hired someone specifically for breakfast in classroom, one of my duties was to um, meet with principals and expand uh, our breakfast in classroom program. So you know, um, learning how to talk to principals, how to negotiate with principals, how to persuade principals, um, learning about you know breakfast in the classroom, breakfast program, student, or national school lunch program, all of those little additional, um, you know, FFVP and all those other additional programs. Um, I really just make sure that I just keep up to date with it. I have an entire binder of things that I just review on a constant basis just to make sure that I'm aware of the requirements for every single one of those programs kind of deal. I'm so afraid of printing things out because I feel like I'll look They at change so Yes. Often. So what do you do as far as keeping your digital life organized or how do you keep track of things really? Like what tips can you uh, give us? Um, I mean, I have a um, notebook that I have, I got for my internship. So um, it's got, I mean, it's like one of those zip up file folder kind of deals. Um, and it's got a legal pad and I just review it as often as I can. I try to keep organized notes um, anytime I meet with anyone, anytime I meet with a parent, anytime that we're doing any kind of student engagement or anything like that, I try to take, take well notes or take notes really well um, so I can review them later on. So I'm constantly just kind of looking through and I have, I usually use one notepad per year. So I go through that entire notepad in a year and um, it's nice to have the change of year just to start a fresh new notepad. Um, and then that way I just kind of keep up to date with that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I 
I have so much trouble keeping up with where I wrote things down because I love notebooks and I always have way too many and then I don't know where yeah. I put my notes. So yeah, that's I started the issue. putting them in OneNote or in Google Keep or something or Evernote so I can just search yeah. for it because I never know where I wish, anything is. I know. I wish I was more organized where I can use electronic um, notepads and things like that. You should see my desktop. <laughs> it is a complete mess. But at least you can search on there, so at least there's that. Yeah, yeah that, there's that at least. Um, but, yeah, I have – I was – the other day I was looking up because – I was um, going to a school site and setting up a share table there, and I was trying to look up for my procedures for the share tables, and for some reason they weren't in my procedure files. For some reason they were in, like, my like special diets folder. I don't know. So <laughs> it's, it's all kinds of a mess in there. I just save it to whatever. When it comes to the special diets management, have you found how do you control costs while meeting everyone's needs? Like, do you end up purchasing a lot of special products? or just building a menu out of whole food that happens to be low in common allergens? Yeah, so um, we're actually, this is part of my pre-con at ANC. We're doing a whole um, four-hour, like, kind of workshop for special diets and special diet management. But um, we are able to basically um, feed every single student with a special diet based on the many items that we already have on bid. So um, what happens with special diet management, um, I have, we have, um, we do three-week menu cycles. So we have a master menu, um, a three-week master menu, and then we cycle through that three times a year for fall, spring, and winter, or fall, winter, and spring. Um, and every single time we come out with one of those, I come out with eight separate um, menus based on those menu cycles, and those eight menus reflect the eight major allergens. Oh. So we have um, 200,000 students in our district um, and 240 school sites. So I do not meet with as many parents as I could. Um, so if it's just a single allergen, I empower my managers to utilize the um, allergen um, menus that I have already created for them, the little cheat sheets I've created for them. In addition to that, too, I keep up a um, allergen database. So uh, just like we have any kind of nutrient database, I keep an allergen database, but not only does it have menu items, but it also has recipes. So say, for example, um, we have, I don't know, like an egg and cheese taco. Um, I break down not only just, you know, the entire menu or the entire recipe has, you know, the eggs, the wheat from the tortilla, um, and the milk from the cheese, but I'll break down to those menu items. So, like, say, for example, uh, the child only has a milk allergy, but, you know, if you're trying to serve that child uh, that breakfast item, you can know that, okay, the cheese is the only thing that has that milk protein. So if we nix that cheese from that recipe, that's still a, a viable item for that child kind of deal. So I do that. How long did that take to develop? (laughs) Well, and I guess you do it every year because the cycle changes every year. Yeah, yeah, I do it every year. I do it every three months um, because that's how often, well, I guess it's a little bit more often than every three months. I do that every change in cycle um, for the base menus. As far as the allergen cheat sheets or the little allergen database, um, I do that every single summer because we have new items every single summer. So like this year, we have, we're going to be getting Kellogg's for the first time in like 13 years versus we had General Mills before. So I'll be updating those with all the Kellogg's cereal items that we have, the respective allergens. 
And you on those mostly too. rely on the product information sheets coming straight from the manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the only, I mean, that's the only, yeah, I look up the product, I get the product information sheets, and then I look up the um, nutritional labels, too, to just verify it. But that's, of course, what we do anytime that we're putting in any nutrition information for those items, too, so. Since your district is so large, do you receive all your items, like, at a central location, and then you guys ship them out, like, you have a warehouse? We we ship straight to our schools. We're, um, we have a couple different um school setups, so kitchen setups. So we utilize GFS, um, Gordon Food Service, as our um, as our distributor. So they also purchase for us, make sure that they get the lowest price for us and all that stuff too, but they deliver to every single one of our school sites. Um, but we also have a couple different forms of kitchens. So we have the traditional kitchen where they cook everything on site, serve everything on site, um, and do that. We also uh, attach to our district office is a production kitchen. And so that production kitchen, but we have um, two different school sites that utilize that production kitchen. So we have our satellite kitchens or our satellite sites, which basically everything comes through the production kitchen and gets sent to those satellite sites. So, um, and then we have our finishing kitchens. And those are the only thing that really gets, comes through the the production kitchen to the finishing kitchens are more of like the casserole dish items, the chef inspired items. the finishing kitchens still, you know, cook their own pizzas and cook their own, like, heat and serve items like that. And then they, they make their own, um, they make their own salads. They make their own cold items, too. So, like, they'll do their own ham and cheese sandwiches and things like that, too. Uh, we have a unique building here um, where our building actually has... Um, uh, our own office space and then attached to it is a production kitchen where we have um, it's it's a huge production kitchen um, and we also have like trucks that just back into it and back out of it um, oh, okay. and they ship to I, I want to say it's somewhere around 30 school sites um, 30 to 40 school sites right now during the school year and of course you know there's about 8,000 meals that come out of it during the summertime so with it being right there, have you ever found it necessary to go downstairs and physically look at the packages as they start coming in on your new bid or? So anytime that we get any new menu items, they there's the forms that they have to submit with the menu items that not only you know, do they have the stock number and, and what the items are called, but they have to submit the um, the child nutrition label as well as the same exact label that they would be putting on those items for the the normal nutrition label with the normal ingredients too. So sometimes because I know those product information forms, sometimes they can leave out um, an allergen. Like right. say for example, they only put milk and soy, but you look on it and it's clearly wheat on, on the ingredient list too. So right. um, I do duck that too. But I'll occasionally do a spot check at the school sites. But if they... If it were to be a discrepancy between the two, then, I mean, we don't have that happen because they want to keep their business with us kind of deal. Right, right. So you guys, you're depending on the professionalism of the companies that you're working with. So you pick reputable companies, so that's really a non-issue. There's so many people involved in the process, so many adults, you know, from manufacturing to shipping to service. If you're going through life with an allergy, there's always a million people in between you and where your food started. I mean, just like you can't really 
depend on like a table being completely allergen free because you don't know what items the kids bring from home or you know if the kid's eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then rubs the table or right. touches something else i mean but what we can control is what's being shipped from the manufacturer and what the manufacturer is telling us what's in there too so i mean like the items that are going to be allergy-free, we will already know that they're allergy-free just because it'll be like stuff like brown rice or right. frozen broccoli or, you know, things like that wouldn't normally have allergens in it. But on the on the prepackaged items or the more um, processed items, like, for example, a pizza or something like that, yes, I go in and I check the ingredient list. I don't routinely check them unless there's something that has changed on it. Right. And I know you mentioned this is the topic you're going to be covering at Precon. This will air after that's already happened. So I hope. Well, a lot ho- of people hopefully get a some of yes, yes. Just <laughs> hopefully so some many of those people around this topic. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and and that and there's so much confusion as far as um, management of those because so that's that's done on a single allergen level. If it's a multiple allergen, then I make sure that um, I get involved. So I have the managers contact me and then I meet with the parents and I sit down with the parents and we review menu items. And I already, I usually pre-make a menu for them um, showing like this is a menu that I would recommend, but we can work through if there's dislikes or anything like that too. But um, we do a really good job to make sure that we feed every single one of um, our kids to the best of our ability, right. um, as well as I am always really impressed when I do go to a school site and I see um, how well the cafeteria staff work with those special diet students. There is so um, much anxiety around it that I am glad that at least in school nutrition, it seems like everybody takes it very seriously, even in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. So you don't have to worry that people don't get the severity. So um, I did a training for our new batch of managers that are graduating in about 30 minutes. But, um, you know, I told them that I see, see, you know, some people might see special diets or um, students with disabilities as a burden. I see it as an honor, the fact that, you know, they, every single place that they go, no matter, you know, what restaurant they go to or anything like that, they are concern. You know, the parents are concerned, the students are concerned because they're not sure what they can have or safe for them. But we are here and we are we have the honor and the ability to create a safe environment for every single one of our students, whether that be the student who has, you know, dysphagia or be whether that be the student who has, you know, a peanut allergy or a milk allergy, you know, they're always afraid of what they're putting in their mouths and they should be, but at least when they're at a school site and when they're at school, they can feel safe throughout the school, whether that be in their classroom or in the lunchroom. Right. That's a really good framing. I love that. So are you heavily involved in training the new managers or you do that with another employee in your department? We're all heavily involved. Um, Our our district site, um, just because we're such a large district, we have have 14... um, uh, admin district staff and then probably about 60 of us um, or 60 district staff in general. So I'm part of the admin group along with our district chef who does um, training with the new managers as well as um, our production team leader, my supervisor and the other dietitian who does um, trainings with her to with them too. Um, we also have a training coordinator. We have a, um, you know, a, a 
ancillary program manager, we have a site operations manager, so all of those people are all involved with training. Of course, our director, too, are all involved training. Um, so you said yeah. you guys have a chef there. How long has the district had a chef? Was he there before um, you got there? Yeah, since before I got there. Um, the current chef has been there for almost four years, and then um, they've had... Uh, Again, I don't know how long they've had a chef, but they had two chefs before him at least. I think I think one of the reasons why my focus is nutrition ed is whenever I was an intern, um, you know, I, I worked under my current supervisor and as she was my um, preceptor, and I mentioned to her that um, you know I was I was I was really hoping that they would have more um, gears towards nutrition education um, to the students, um, and so. One thing that whenever I came on board, um, the chef and I were uh, discussing something or having a meeting about something, and I propositioned um, chef demos um, and, you know, doing little cooking demos and introducing kids to culinary techniques as well as education, nutrition education about fruits and vegetables and um, other foods that they're consuming at the same time. So we've really um, been able to kind of go from that and just expand it more and more. Um, so that's one thing that I've been really excited about working with the chef is the two of us will do a culinary demo um, where it's half of it, 30 minutes of it is a nutrition education presentation that I do with the kids. And then the other 30 minutes is hands-on um, cooking demos that the kids get to learn, whether it be something like um, making their own dressing or making their own dips for, you know, like carrot sticks or something like that, or we've gone in depth as far as um, having them make like fruit pizzas. Um, the last group that we did, they made like little fruit pearls, um, things like that where we just try to um, have them be hands-on. So when we're doing this, we start this culinary class um, or culinary camp in about three weeks um, and so whenever we start this up, it, I'm really excited because it, it's just going to be, you know, an entire week of just really, really a lot of fun. The kids How will love it. How these students get enrolled? Where are these kids coming from? Um, we send it out district-wide, but we're only doing it as a pilot program this year. So we only have eight students right now. Um, we decided to choose um, uh, third and fourth graders. Well, second graders going into third grade third grade going into fourth grade as the age group. We don't want to have it any older or any younger um, just because we want them all to be on the same comprehension levels. Right. But um, we're going to, it's going to be a, because we only work four days a week during the summer, we do the four tens. Um, so it's going to be uh, food groups broken up to each day. So the first day is going to be fruits and vegetables and we're going to learn about different colors um, as well as we're going to have them make like little pearls and they're going to make a rainbow wrap where it's going to have a whole bunch of different colors um, all wrapped together where they like get to cut and slice their own um, veggies for it. We already bought kid-friendly knives for it so that they can't cut themselves and oh, then kid-friendly peelers too. Yeah, no, already we've been planning this stuff for a little bit. Um, the second day is going to be a dairy where... Um, we're going to, you know, tell them about calcium and bones, but then they're also going to be able to make their own ice cream, which we're really excited about, oh. um, doing the whole, the, you put, you know, a gallon freezer bag and then you put ice and rock salt in it, and then you put, um, the ingredients in a smaller bag and you shake it. So it's a fun activity for the kids, but they can also see how, um, ice cream is being made that way too. Um, and then of course we're going to have them make their own mac and cheese that day. 
um, and all kinds of other dairy things. I think they know they're making smoothies on the first day, not the second day. And then the third day is about protein. So they're going to be making their own hummus. We're going to teach them about how um, protein helps build their bodies. Um, and then the last area is going to be grains, which we're going to discuss what a whole grain is. And then they're going to make their own pizza dough. And we're also going to tell them about how different ingredients work together in baking. So we're going to have like all these different muffins and each muffin is going to be missing an ingredient and we're going to be talking about, you know, why those muffins came out that way. So whether it's oh, the muffins awesome. are me. Yeah. So I'm really excited about it. I get to use some food science in it, um, which is my favorite thing to talk about with the kids as well as, you know, doing the nutrition ed. And Tom's always really excited about teaching them um, culinary techniques. So and that'll be really all smart combining the two, because what good is yeah. the knowledge if you don't have the practical skills to use it? Yeah, exactly. So I'm really, really excited about this pilot program. Um, and again, I'm really excited that I'm able to work with a chef who just loves kids this much. I mean, if you don't love kids, you really shouldn't be in this job. That's true. It's hard yeah. not to love those little ones. Sometimes the yeah. bigger <laughs> ones, um, <laughs> they make it a little more challenging, but like I could definitely work with that age group like all day. They're so yeah, yeah, enthusiastic too. and insightful, like always surprisingly insightful and really honest and transparent. Yeah. So what are fruit pearls exactly? I already Googled it, so I know, but for other people... <laughs> So um, fruit pearls is basically just using uh, the melon baller and um, just turning them into little, um, you know, pearls. Uh, We decided to call them pearls instead of balls just because, you know, we weren't sure about the the maturity level of the kids if we started calling them fruit balls. But, um, yeah, so little fruit pearls, and they're going to make their own glaze for it and stuff like that, too. So it should be a really fun um, group. But also the the chef and I work together um, along with, you know, our team leader, with menu committee meetings, we get together and talk about menus um, a lot, especially whenever we're changing menus so frequently. We also do um, different culinary showcases. We had one that was a culinary experience, Hillsborough County Student Nutrition Experience, um, where we brought we we thought that there were my there was a disconnect with the school board. Um, to what we do. So we actually brought what we do to the school board at a board meeting. Um, and we had everything kind of set up as if the school board members were going through um, a school lunch line. So we had them try all of all of our, I guess, more popular chef-inspired entrees. And then I was there talking about um, the requirement. So, you know, the fact that we do serve whole grains and the fact that we offer fruits and vegetables every single day and, and portion sizes and things like that. Um, so and a lot just of them doing... hadn't eaten with y'all before. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I just feel like sometimes food service or, you know, school nutrition is kind of looked separately from the rest of, you know, right. education curriculum and stuff like that. So we were you know, we're constantly just trying to change the perception of school nutrition. In fact, one of our slogans for it was, it's not your square pizza anymore. Oh, I like that. Even though I did like the square pizza, but yeah. (laughs) I've been wondering, why are the trays necessary? That seems like another thing that visually sets our meals apart from every place else you eat. I just, I haven't seen anybody not doing the tray. Well, well, so trays are functional. Um, you know, if you ever see a, a student trying to choose a whole bunch of stuff um, and hold everything with their hands, they're just going to drop it everywhere. Yeah. Um, one thing that 
I'm really proud of with our trays is that there's actually um, nutrition edition piece on our trays. We didn't want to just have a blank, like, brown tray or blue tray or something like that. We knew that the students were going to be looking at the trays while they go through the lunch line, so we want to make sure that um, they're aware of what they need to have and the importance of what they need to have. So um, it's actually trademarked. <laughs> um, yeah, so the tray that we utilize, um, it it was 2014, so it was before my time, but um, they trademarked our current tray. So we have the fruits, vegetables, you know, all the food groups on the trays. And then along the side of the trays, it talks about, like, say, for example, it says grains for powerful energy, fruits and vegetables for brain fuel, um, protein for strong muscles, and dairy for healthy bones. And what we we are able to do is we color the grains, protein, dairy, fruits, and vegetables um, with the associated colors. So, you know, the blue, the purple, the, the orange. And then our menu items all have nutrition communication cards. So as they're going through the lines, if they're standing in front of, um, say, for example, a, um, I don't know, a roasted chicken breast or something like that, the roasted chicken breast will be colored. The nutrition communication card that says the calories, carbohydrates, and protein on it will be colored purple so that they're able to see on their tray, oh, they have a purple, so this is purple, so I can fill that piece. And same thing with the orange. Oh, there's you know, a fresh baked roll. I need to have an orange, I'm missing an orange, the fruits, the vegetables. So they just know that, you know, the association as well as hopefully they're reading it too. Yeah, that's neat, making the most of something that's already in use. As far as new people, especially people in dietetics coming in to food service management, have you noticed that there's a little bit of resistance there? We currently have interns that come through every single year. I feel like the main focus with most interns is always clinical versus um, food service, especially school nutrition, um, isn't really seen as this is what I want to do. Um, I always feel like anytime that we have, because um, I'm, I'm sure that's drilled in their head too in school, um, and everyone sees the clinical experience as, you know, the top tier or whatever. Um, but... I always just try to change perceptions. So, you know, not only am I trying to change perceptions with our parents and the rest of our stakeholders, but I'm also trying to change perception with, um, you know, upcoming dietetics, dietetics students too. Um, And one thing I tell them is, you know, we're a profession that um, centers, you know, that works best on prevention. We're never going to, I mean, you, you can help manage your diabetes, but you're never going to cure diabetes with nutrition. You're never going to cure um, chronic diseases with nutrition because typically chronic diseases are built over time and they occur because of poor nutrition. Good nutrition is going to help manage it. It's never going to cure it. However, prevention is the thing that's going to really cure those diseases. Prevention, preventing those diseases, that's what we're all about. And that's when our profession is working the best. We have the opportunity to touch every single student and every single student that goes through public school. So we have over 200,000 students that I potentially am able to alter their their direction. If I'm able to influence, you know, just a small percentage of those children to eat better now, it's going to prevent them from later on. So we're going to have the biggest effect. I feel like school nutrition um, and student nutrition is the largest collective body of public health that there is in the United States just because we have the opportunity of affecting every single student in um, public schools, which is huge. I mean, when I worked in the health department, 
Um, you know, I, I worked at WIC and I was able to have one-on-one conversations, but, you know, that's just a fraction of the amount of, right. the amount of change that I could make here. And this also so feels always, more sustainable for sure, because you yeah. don't have to see that person again in six months and hear about how life got in the way and they weren't able to implement the changes, exactly. which can be and kind plus, of discouraging. Plus, I'm... I'm a little bitter against adults, I guess is the word for it. Um, you know, it's hard to change. It's hard to change people's um, mindsets, concepts, um, habits when they've been doing it for their entire life. Right. It's easy when you have a kid, child that you can now educate about, you know, why eating healthy keeps you strong, why eating healthy will help you do better in school, better in, in sports, better, you know, have a better life. Um right. And that's when you can make the cheekest. They're young enough. Their mind is pliable enough that if you, you know, instill these good messages, it's potentially something that they'll carry on for the rest of their lives. I mean, again, these little trays, um, you know, if you look at it one time, you might not, it might not click. But the fact that it's repetitive, that they see it every single day, they see that, you know, if they eat if they eat dairy, they'll have healthy bones. If they see that they if they eat grains, they're going to have energies. If they see that every single day, that repetitive education piece, you know, eventually it will stick. Right. So you're able you're able to have again, like you said, more sustainable um, messaging as well as a, just a bigger effect on the kids themselves. And I really so like. I, I just I was going to say I I absolutely love what I do, and I I am grateful that I'm able to. Um, have some sort of influence on our future generations. Yeah. I definitely think this is the best place to be. I I mean, I guess I'm biased, but it just feels yeah, like right. you said, our reach is massive. And then because we're interdisciplinary, like you have the chefs there and you have people, you know, who actually work with the food every day and maybe have children as well. I feel like you maybe approach food in more of a fun way than dietitians oh, yeah. often do in a clinical setting. If you make something know. fun for somebody, they can do it forever. So, in addition to that, too, um, in the clinical setting, you're constantly telling them what they can't have. Right. Where we're dealing with children, we're constantly telling them what they can have. So, I mean, it's a complete opposite perspective when it comes to that, too. You know, I'm not going to tell someone that they can never have, um, you know, a, a renal patient can never have bananas again. I'm able to tell kids, like, no, enjoy bananas. You know, potassium's amazing for you. Right. Um, so it's it's just a change in perception for that, too. And, and um, again, going from, from you know, my clinical experience, uh, you know, and when I was an intern to now being able to do this, I absolutely love it. And I don't see myself ever going back kind of deal. Clinical was so depressing to me. Like, yeah. it just, like for it to be normal for your patients to just not come back because they passed on. I'm like, how do you guys, how do you motivate yourself to come to work every day knowing that well, people well, that, and then, gone You know, already? someone was just diagnosed with diabetes or just diagnosed with whatever and they're not in the mindset to make any kind of change as far as their yeah. dietary habits. You just got this, you know, life changing news. So I yeah, mean, I don't want it a was job always, where I have to be there while you're going through like the worst change ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I just that. remember trying to, trying to getting, you know, consults to, um, talk to patients about educating them about carb counting. And meanwhile, they're, they just, you know, got their leg amputated or something yeah. like that from uncontrolled diabetes. I'm like, 
this is not the time. This is not the time. So. Yeah, that was absolutely how I felt. Appreciate you making the time. Where can we find you online, or should we be looking for your district? Uh, oh. HDC or HDHC School District Hillsborough County HDHC dot K twelve dot FL dot US. It's the same as my email address. Okay. Um, we may have but anyways, um, yeah, yeah. Just Google Hillsborough County Student Nutrition Services. And well, thank you you'll, so you'll much. Be able to pull it up. I love the way Sean framed the privilege that we have to serve students that need special accommodations from a dietary perspective. That was really impactful for me. I don't think I've heard anyone phrase it quite that way before. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others. You can reach out to me on social to let me know what you thought about the episode or to let me know what you would like to hear more of. I'm on LinkedIn as Dahlia Kinsey, on Instagram and Facebook as School Nutrition RD. Okay, everybody, see you next week. School nutrition, dietitian, here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the school nutrition, dietitian. Woo.